But personal ministry, here's what I mean by that. If you talk to anybody who's been a Christian for a period of time about a time that God did something big in their lives, they would probably tell you something along the lines of, you know, there was this time where I had the opportunity to help others. Or maybe it was they were presented with a need in the church or in their community and they had this thought, I'm probably not qualified, but I feel like I'm supposed to help. I'm probably not qualified, I'm probably not ready, but I feel like I'm supposed to help. Uh, Here's a perfect example of that. Yesterday morning at 9.07, I received a phone call from our lead pastor, Ryan, and uh, he sounded awful. And he said, Jerry, I hate to do this to you, but I don't think I'm going to be able to be at church tomorrow. I think I might need you to speak instead. And he must have been very ill to even say that because he usually doesn't call in sick. But, and I said, if you're feeling remotely sick at all, please stay home because nobody else wants to get whatever you have. Okay, so first of all, you're welcome, everybody, for keeping him away today. Um, but still, in the second time it's ever happened here uh, at Rivoy, but needless to say, I did not feel prepared in that moment. I hadn't read his message yet. Um, but there was a need that had to be met, and lo and behold, here it is. I've got to meet the need. Um, so before we continue our message today, um, this little caveat I want to make. If there is something that you hear this morning that you say, man, that's impactful, that really hit a chord with me, chances are it's a last-minute edit I made backstage right before I came out here, Okay. <laughs> fairly good chance. Now, on the flip side, if there's something that you just very much disagree with, you think, wow, that's you know, offensive, or that's, I don't agree with that, that's, that's not good, I guarantee it was part of the original manuscript, okay? That's what Ryan passed along to me, so you can take that with him next week when he's hopefully back here, but uh, just keep that in mind as you're listening here this morning. When we talk about personal ministry, it's a need being put in front of us and us responding to that need. That's personal ministry, People who respond, they would say, you know, God was just nudging me to jump in and to serve. Maybe they were afraid, but as they jumped in, they saw God do amazing things in their lives. And maybe there is something, a need that you know about that God keeps kind of poking you with, that he keeps presenting to you, that you keep seeing it or hearing about it. And deep, in, deep down inside me, we're just wrestling with, what do I do with this? I feel like I'm supposed to help, but I don't know how, or maybe I'm just a little afraid to that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. You see, the issue is not just about those people who need someone to help them or a ministry team that could use a hand. The bigger issue is that God wants to use you outside your comfort zone to build your faith in him. That's your first feeling here. God wants to use you outside of your comfort zone to build your faith in him. He wants to use us. He's inviting us to step outside of what we know, what we're comfortable with, what we're familiar with. He's inviting us outside of that to build our faith in him. You know, I think of some of our awesome volunteers we have here at church every Sunday morning. I think of Rachel Stevens, who plays keyboard up here uh, every once in a while on Sunday morning. But starting last week, she started leading worship for our children every Sunday down in base camp. She might be down there even right now. I don't know for sure. But she might be down there right now singing and leading our kids, helping build this foundation in their lives. Because she saw a need and was like, you know what, I'm going to do something about it. I think of Jake Gifford. Jake is just awesome. He helps on our lighting team on Sunday mornings. He's one of our awesome youth leaders. He runs young adults. Uh, pretty much anything you ask Jake, he's like, absolutely, with a smile on his face. He's just making himself available. I think of Andrew Johnson, who was up here this morning playing acoustic guitar with us. He's like, man, I feel like God has kind of given me a passion for this, and there's an opportunity and a need. I'm going to step into that. I think of Steve Scott, who volunteers down in base camp with our uh, K through fifth graders. And he's always even talking with Connor. Hey, what, what if we tried this? What if we did this differently? What if we added this? Just dreaming for how God can impact these elementary school children. Think of Maddie Thies, who uses her background from uh, the retail world to help run our pop-up shop and make that place awesome out there. 
Or I think of Steve and Marie Wilson, who have been serving so faithful here for the past year or so. And a couple weeks ago, during Teardown, Steve says to me, which is always music to my ears, but he says, I'm not sure what it looks like or really what it means, but I just want to do more around here. I'm like, yes, and I want you to do more. So this is fantastic. Let's figure this out. But to somebody who's just feeling that nudge that God's putting on their hearts, like, I don't always know what the end result looks like, but I know God's nudging me, and I want to answer that. I think of Steve Sawatsky, who helps with setup, he helps with kids, helps with youth. Wherever there is a need, he's there to help. One of my favorite, Enneth Froman. Enneth is 80 years young, I like to say. And Enneth just has a heart and a passion for young adults. And to see them come to know Christ and build this faith foundation so that they can help others grow as well. But the amazing thing about Enneth is not only does he have this heart and this passion, he helps on teardown every single week. Here's an 80-year young man who's putting us young guys to shame, flipping desks, moving things around, because he's like, hey, there is a need I want to help. I want to be a part of what God is doing. It's people who are seeing the need and saying, you know what? I don't know what the end result's going to be, but I feel God is putting this in front of me, and I want to step into it. That's what personal ministry is all about. And one of the best examples of Jesus pushing someone out of their comfort zone into personal ministry is a well-known story. And in the middle of this, Jesus makes a statement that hits at the very heart of the issue. And that is us getting outside of our comfort zone and letting him do something amazing with us. So we're going to read this story here this morning. I found in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, starting with verse 13. It says this, When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. You see, the news that Jesus had just heard was that his cousin John the Baptist had just been put to death. That's why Jesus was trying to pull away to have a moment to be by himself. But the people followed him. In verse 14, we pick it up. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. So these guys are probably thinking, hey, this is, you know, we're being, you know, we're thinking here. These guys are going to be hungry. Jesus, let's, let's send them out of here so they can actually get some food. And you know, this is a good thing we're thinking about here. But verse 16, Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus said, yeah, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. And I recognize they're hungry, so do something about it. Now, see, this is a tension that, if you haven't felt already, I guarantee you will feel as being a Christian at some point and following Jesus, but it's your next feeling. There is a tension when you see it or feel a need, and your heart is moved, and you feel like God is saying to you, meet the need. Meet the need. This causes tension, because oftentimes it's filled with, how do I meet the need, or what does this look like, or what if it goes south? Meet the need. Here's what we do oftentimes. We see the need and we're like, no, no. You see, those are the things that I pray about, you know. I pray that somebody else meets that need. Or, you know, I pray that someone at church will, you know, see the same need I see and they'll step in and meet that need. Or I'm going to pray for this opportunity for somebody else, but I'm just comfortable right here. You see, you might feel like, ooh, you know, I know the church needs help on that ministry team or for that community project. I'll just pray that somebody else steps in. Or those things happen at work, I'll pray that my coworker takes care of it. Or, you know, I heard they need help with teenagers or down in the kids' room. I'm just going to be praying that God will send somebody to that room. Maybe God's sending you. And I think, honestly, God wants to say, you know, I want you to do it. He keeps putting these needs in front of us. I want you to do it. Quit saying, I want to pray that you send somebody else and be that somebody else that he sends 
to meet the need. So why do we respond that way? Because if we're all honest, we all probably respond that way. It's because it's outside of our comfort zone. It's outside of sometimes what we're familiar with. It's outside of what we know is going to happen. So if someone were to ask you a question that you don't know, it's like, I don't know, I don't know how to respond to that. What if this doesn't go how I thought it might go? Those are things that stop us from doing it. Maybe I'm not experienced enough or I don't have enough training or background in this. You see, God isn't trying to make us feel guilty by maybe not being qualified. He's simply putting on our hearts to do something about it. He's calling us to action. Verse 17, we pick up our story. It says, we have, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. You see, they tried to dodge the request. All right, Jesus, I know what you've asked us to do. But look at what we have. There's just simply no way. The math does not add up. There's simply nothing we can do about it. So Jesus, in verse 18, says simply, Bring them here to me. That's what he said. Bring me what you have. And that's what God says to us. Bring me what you have. Maybe I haven't even finished college yet. How much experience do you have? All right, bring it to me. You know, maybe I'm a new Christian and I'm still trying to you know, figure out how to read the Bible. That's okay. Bring whatever you have to me. Or maybe you're saying, man, I'm still learning how to pray. There's no way I could help a fifth grader, you know, learn how to pray and read his Bible. Hey, that's okay. She says, bring what you have to me. You see, God, I don't have too much time to lead or to bring. I just don't have much to bring. And God says, bring me whatever you have. Whatever you have will be enough. You see, verse 19, the story picks up, and he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. Now imagine all 12 of these disciples, they all have their small little portion, and they're wondering, what in the world am I going to do with this? They're probably thinking selfishly because they're hungry as well, I imagine. All right, what part is mine? Okay, because I've got to get my food here. But how am I going to feed all these people? They're probably thinking, maybe if I just look down long enough and wait to do it, maybe people will just leave and make my job easier. How many of us have thought that before? Maybe if I just wait long enough, people will leave, the need is gone, and I can just go on with my life. I'm sure these thoughts were going through their heads. There's over 5,000 people, there's 12 disciples. Each one of them was responsible for well over 400 people that they had to feed with this handful of food. It's an impossible situation. But here is the key. In this moment, they did what they knew how to do. They did what they knew how to do because that's all they could do. You see, they couldn't feed 5,000 people, but they could turn around and simply start giving away. That's all they could do. They could turn around and say, I don't have enough to feed all these people, but what I'm going to do, Jesus told me to feed them. I'm going to start handing food out. And that's what I'm going to do. I want to take care of what I can actually take care of and your next villain here is that the disciples did what they knew to do and trusted God to do what only he could do. See, they did what they knew how to do, but they trusted God to do what only he could do. See, when you feel that internal nudging of God saying, I want you to respond to that need. I want you to meet that coworker for coffee, or I want you to sign up for that ministry team, or I want you to lead that small group. I want you to run for the school board. You see, our responsibility every single time is so simple. Our responsibility is, what do we know what to do? And start down the road of obedience. What do I know how to do? And just be obedient to that. And let God do what only he can do. 
God's not asking us to do the miraculous. He's saying, be obedient to the things I've called you to do. Do what you know how to do, and let me take care of the rest. What if it doesn't work out? What if I fail? What if it doesn't go how I thought it might go? You know what that is? That's our faith muscles being stretched and growing. And that's part of this trust that we need to learn to grow in with God. It's being unsure of what the outcome might look like, but saying, God, I'm going to trust you regardless. That's what he wants from us. In your next film, it's not just about the needs that would go unmet if you don't step up. It's about him wanting to build your faith foundation. Every single time, it's about him wanting to build your faith foundation. And this is so huge today because we need to understand that God could meet these needs that are in front of us very easily. He doesn't need us to meet these needs. But God wants to change something in our hearts as well. It's about us building our faith foundation and growing to trust him more. He's inviting us to be a part of what he's doing to meet these needs. And that's an amazing thing to think about. He wants to use us to help meet those needs. And when we do this, he begins to accomplish things through us and through you. And all of a sudden, your confidence grows and your faith grows and your trust grows. And as a result, our faith foundation begins to be solid and firm in him. A uh, great story I think about when I think of this whole idea is uh, Ryan's dad, uh, Tom Eli, who was a pastor at the church that I grew up at. He was there for several years. Uh, but about 15 years ago, while he was pastoring the local church, he felt God's nudge to go on a trip to India. See, he had a heart for evangelism and submissions work already, but he was pastoring a local church, but he felt God was saying, hey, I want you to take this trip to India. And from this trip to India birthed what is now called Oasis World Ministries. And over the last 15 years now, God has opened up doors for them to be in over 50 countries all around the world. And they have now seen over 1 million people make Jesus Christ the leader of their lives because he was obedient to a nudge 15 years ago that God put on his heart. What an amazing story. Oftentimes, we'll never even be able to imagine or comprehend what the end result is going to be with God. He's the same, will you please trust me? And take a step in my direction. A common thing we'll hear, and it's your next one here, is that I was obedient to what I was being prompted to do. I was obedient to what I was being prompted to do. You see, that is the story of every big move of God on planet Earth. Every big move of God, it was by being somebody being obedient when God prompted them to do something. And in the process, God uses you and changes you, and your faith grows. It's this beautiful cycle of God using us to meet needs, but also doing something so deep in our hearts and our lives that our faith grows and our trust grows again and again in him. Picking up our story up in verse 20, it says, They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men, besides women and children. You see, Jesus didn't need to do this because he was running out of miracles. He wasn't trying to just show off because that's not how Jesus works. That's how we work, okay? Like, I would probably show off if I could do that. That's why I can't do that. Um, but that's not how Jesus operates, okay? He didn't need to do a miracle. He didn't need to show off to people. But he understood this. In just a short period of time after this, he was going to be handing over the reins. He's handing over the keys to these disciples, saying, hey, build my church. It's up to you now. So he needed to make sure that their faith foundation was solid. So this was an opportunity for these disciples to really Trust in Jesus. I mean, they're around him every day. They saw him doing all these things, but even they needed their faith foundation to be uh, cemented right there where it was. And that's why Jesus did it. 
as part of them growing their faith and trusting him because that's what it was all about. It was getting the disciples to truly trust him. Even when the task maybe seemed ridiculous, maybe when the outcome was so out there that there's no way it could happen, it's can I get them to truly trust me? And that's the same thing for you and the same thing for me today is do we truly trust Jesus? When he nudges us, when he prompts us, when we see that need, do we really trust that he's going to use us and he's going to meet that need? I love how our story continues here in verse 22. Uh, it starts off with the word immediately. And this just really connects these two stories that we're very familiar with, but we don't always put together. So feeding to the 5,000, immediately after that, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So here Jesus sends the disciples on the boat, sends them to start moving along, and they're rowing across this lake, and they're getting nowhere. And they're probably getting very frustrated because uh, they know how to row, and they, they're experienced when it comes to being in boats and all that works. They're not getting anywhere. They're probably thinking this is stupid. They're getting frustrated. They're getting angry, annoyed. They're trained and experienced, but still they're getting nowhere all night long because the weather is just stopping them from getting anywhere. Verse 25 says, Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were excited. They were overjoyed. No, they were terrified, okay? They were terrified. They said, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. And I love little verses like this because I think it just gives credibility to the Bible and these stories because the people that wrote this wouldn't make themselves look bad if it wasn't true, right? They'd probably say, yeah, I was very excited. Oh, Jesus, yes, come aboard. No, they were terrified and thought it was a ghost, okay? And they screamed. That's what they did. So I think this builds credibility, which I always appreciate their honesty with that. But verse 27, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. You see, in this moment, Peter has one of these impulses. You know, he's starting to catch on to, I think, the lesson that Jesus was trying to teach him, that we can do the impossible if we do our part and we let Jesus do his. Peter was starting to catch it, and he was starting to understand, and I love how he responds in verse 28. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. You see, this is important because Peter didn't just have a thought and jump and say, I'm having faith. No, that's called stupidity, okay? He said, Jesus, if it's you, tell me it's you, and, I'll, and tell me to come on the water. You know, a lot of people have done a lot of things in the name of Jesus, which Jesus never asked them to do, and we're still trying to recover from a lot of those things. But here's Peter. This crazy thing in front of him, but he said, Jesus, if it's you, call me out and I'll come. He just seen Jesus do the miraculous. And now it's once again, he's saying, you know what? If he calls me, if he puts this in front of me, I'm going to respond. You see, Peter understood when Jesus asks me and invites me outside my comfort zone, and even if it doesn't make sense, walking on water certainly doesn't make sense, if I just obey, then Jesus can do what only he can do if he asks me. If Jesus asks me, if he asks you, will you get out of the boat? Verse 29, come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Here's Peter actually walking across water. 
He just did the same thing that he did with the fish and the bread. He said, you know what? I don't know how to feed 5,000 people with this little bit. I'm just gonna do what Jesus asked me to do. Same thing, I don't know how to walk on water, but I know how to crawl out of a boat and I know how to walk. The water part, a little scared about, but I'm gonna do it anyways, okay? He gets out and he does what he knows how to do. He starts walking. He has his eyes on Jesus and he walks on water. You see, this is the Christian experience in a nutshell. What if we started praying your next film like this? God, invite me out of my comfort zone. What if that became a normal part of our prayer life? God, invite me out of my comfort zone. Show me something you want to use me in. Man, the, the possibilities are endless. We make ourselves available to God like that. It makes me think of our Honduras missions team that just got back this last week from spending a little over a week doing missions work down in Honduras. And I always just love seeing the updates and hearing the stories of not just the work that they're able to do in that short period of time, but the stories of transformation for our own team members that come back. And every time it's people saying, like, you know what, I wasn't expecting God to do that in me while I was down there. Oftentimes we expect God to maybe use us to actually do a task or help somebody. But oftentimes we're blown away by what God does internally inside of us when we step out of our comfort zone and say, God, here I am. Use me. Because it's not just about the need in front of us, but God wants to stretch us and grow us and cement our faith foundation in him every time that comes up. Verse 30, our story picks up, but when he saw the wind, being Peter, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you have little faith. He said, why did you doubt Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt you were doing it? See, I want you to trust me for what you can't do. When you look at your own ability, when I look at my own ability, suddenly we start to sink. But Jesus said, just do what you can do, but focus on me and what I can do. Keep your eyes right here. Jesus wasn't chastising or making them feel bad. He said, Peter, you were so close. Man, you almost did it. Just focus on me. Keep your eyes on me. Verse 32, it says, when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Truly, you are the son of God. And this is kind of humorous because as Jesus gets in the boat, uh, the 11 other wimps who were just screaming their heads off a few moments ago, they're saying, truly, you are the son of God. Like, Jesus, this is it. I know it now. You know, we had our suspicions with the whole fish and the bread and the 5,000 people. I mean, it was pretty impressive. But now, now we know you are the son of God. Of God. I want to say, did you know even what you're experiencing here today is the result of people who got out of their boat, that got out of their comfort zone to make environments like this possible? In fact, even when we started Riverway over eight and a half years ago, there were four of us couples, eight adults, all of us stepping out of our boats, our comfort zones, the churches we were comfortable with, jobs that we had, because we all felt God nudging us, saying, I want you to start this church in this community to reach people for me. None of us were experienced with starting a church. Let me tell you, when God nudges you like that, you step out of the boat and you say, God, here am I. I want to follow you. And we do what only we can do, but God does what he can do. 
So even today, your kids are getting poured into because some people who maybe didn't even like kids said God was nudging them to serve in a kid's room and to meet a need. Maybe you go to a Bible study at work or a school. It's because somebody stepped out of their comfort zone and said, you know what, I'm going to start this. I don't know if anybody's going to show up. I don't know how it's going to go. But I feel God putting this on my heart, so I'm going to step up and meet this need. You see your next feeling that God does the unbelievable when you and I step up to give our lives to building his kingdom. He does the unbelievable when we step up to give our lives to him. And it's an amazing thing to see. Oftentimes, you know, time goes past and you look behind you and it's amazing to see all the things God did along the way. Things that we never could have even thought that were possible that he made happen. Some of you maybe who've started a small group, you thought, man, is God gonna, you know, use me? Is it gonna be effective? The answer is yes. When he nudges you and you respond, he's faithful to answer that and to reward that. So what is God nudging you to do? What is something that he keeps bringing in front of you again and again and again? What's that need maybe you keep seeing? Maybe that you've been trying to ignore it is hoping that somebody else will fill it. What's that thing in your life? You see, this isn't a guilt trip because it can obviously happen without us. Like we said, God is God. He can do it all. It's not about the need in front of us, but it's about our faith foundation. God wants us to grow our foundation, our trust in him. And this is how he presents it to us. So how does God want to use you here at Riverway? How does he want to use you at your work? How does he want to use you in your family, in your neighborhood? How does God want to use you? You see, it doesn't matter how qualified you feel, our next fill-in. It only matters how available and obedient you will be to what God is asking you to do. It's not about being qualified. It's about being available and obedient. That's what God wants from us, our availability and our obedience to him. Basically, will you do what you know how to do and just trust God to do what only he can do? That's what he's asking from us. See, if you don't, you may never know what God is willing to do in you and through you. That's what we miss in all this. God's going to meet that need. He's going to find somebody that's going to answer that call. But as we might never know what God wants to do in our lives and through us if we don't step out. Last film today, and I just want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus that every time you hear of a need, say this. Let's make this our prayer. Let's make this our habit. God, is this something you want me to be a part of? God, is this something you want me to be a part of? I saw this need or I heard about this need and I kind of feel in my heart that I should do something. Is this something you want me to be a part of? Just like Peter said, Lord, if it's you, call me out. Lord, if it's you, I'll get out of the boat and I'll come. Lord, if this is something you want me to do, I'll do it. First Peter chapter 4, verses 10 through 11. This passage reads, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Whatever you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do with the strength that God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I just love that each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. God's given us all gifts. He wants us to use them to serve others. I want to close this morning with a story about a man named William Booth and his response to God's nudge. You see, William Booth embarked upon his ministry career back in 1852. 
because of God's nudge to win the lost multitudes in England to Christ. He walked the streets of London to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the poor, the homeless, the hungry, and the destitute. Booth abandoned the conventional concept of a church and a pulpit, instead taking his message to the people. And in 1865, William Booth was invited to hold a series of evangelistic meetings in the east end of London. He set up a tent in a Quaker graveyard, kind of a weird spot, but in a Quaker graveyard, and his services became an instant success. His renown as a religious leader spread throughout London, and he attracted followers who were dedicated to fight for the souls of men and women. Thebes, prostitutes, gamblers, and drunkards were among Booth's first converts to Christianity. To congregations who were desperately poor, he preached hope and salvation. His aim was to lead people to Christ and link them to a church to grow their faith foundations. Many churches, however, did not accept Booth's followers because of their past. So Booth continued giving his new converts spiritual direction, challenged them to save others like themselves. And soon they too were preaching and singing in the streets as a living testimony to the power of God. In 1867, Booth had only 10 full-time workers, but by 1874, only nine years later, that number had grown to 1,000 volunteers and 42 evangelists, all serving under the name The Christian Mission. Booth was reading a printer's proof of the 1878 annual report when he noticed the statement, The Christian Mission is a volunteer army. Crossing out the words volunteer army, he penned in salvation army. From that point, converts became soldiers of Christ and were known then as now as salvationists. They went throughout the British Isles, in some cases facing real battles as organized gangs mocked and attacked them. But in spite of violence and persecution, some 250,000 people were converted under the ministry of the Salvation Army between 1881 and 1885. The Salvation Army movement expanded rapidly to Canada, Australia, France, Switzerland, India, South Africa, Iceland, and local neighborhood units. The Salvation Army is now active in virtually every corner of the world, meeting the needs of millions of people every day. You see, you never know what God will do when you say yes to his nudge. When you say yes to that opportunity, when you say yes to personal ministry, that doesn't take one of us here on stage to have personal ministry. God wants every single one of us to step into our trust in him and say, God, here am I. Use me. So that's my challenge and my encouragement for you today to pray that prayer. Whenever you see a need, to hear about a need, God, is this something you want me to be a part of? And when you feel him nudge you, don't be slow to respond. Be quick to say, I'm gonna get out of my boat. I'm gonna follow you. Can you close your eyes and pray with me this morning? Not that there's anything spiritual about us closing our eyes, it just helps us to focus in the moment. And before we close today, I want to just take the next 30 seconds for us to pray to God and for God to speak to our hearts. And I want us all just to ask God, is there a need in front of us that maybe we've been neglecting? Is there a nudge he's been giving us that we've been yet to respond to? And if it is, ask God to give us the courage and the strength to take that step. Or if there's not, maybe it's just saying, God, once again, I'm available. God, every day, help me to see needs. Help me to be aware of my surroundings. But God, know that when you call me, I'm going to answer. Let's take the next 30 seconds and pray in that direction.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you invite us to be a part of your work here on earth. And God, that you want to use each and every one of us to help grow your kingdom. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would help us all to respond to that nudge, to that call that you give us. When we see these needs, and no longer would it be us praying that somebody else would meet it. But Lord, we would make it a daily habit to pray, Lord, is this something you want me to be a part of? And when the answer is yes, we'd be quick to respond. Lord, I thank you that we don't need to be qualified. We don't need to be experienced. We don't need to have all the answers. Lord, we dedicate to do what we can do and ask that you would do what only you can do. So God, I pray even this week that you give us the opportunity to put this into action. Lord, that we would see the needs around us. Lord, we would be quick to say, I'm going to get out of my boat. I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to take a step towards you. Jesus, we thank you for using us and for inviting us to be a part of your work. It's in Jesus' name we pray.